0: I'm Nidhi Tiwari. And I'm Billy Samoa. And this is ReLearned. Empathy ReLearned. If we look back throughout the 21st century, one of the most important skills that we've had to learn to cultivate is empathy. Empathy forms the foundation of our ability to connect with ourselves and with those around us. And especially in the last three years as we've navigated the collective traumas of a pandemic and more globally, empathy is more important than ever for us to hone in as a skill set. So in today's episode, we're gonna break down empathy for you. We're gonna talk about the newest research when it comes to empathy. Why empathy is a critical skill that we should all learn to cultivate. And we're gonna talk about how empathy especially relates to leadership and business.
1: Empathy is one of those things that as a leader, I often reflect and think, if I didn't have empathy, I wouldn't be able to lead people in the way that I need to. And so I I think about my days at Tesla and Solar City and teaching people to lead. It starts with understanding who you're leading. And that's what empathy is. Some studies have actually shown that empathy training can lead to increased neural activity in regions of our brain that are associated with empathy. And it can actually have some measurable effects. So when we empathize with someone who's having pain, for example, our brain activates pain processing regions. So what this does is it demonstrates a neural overlap between empathy and pain perception. So think of it in terms of a leader when you're understanding what someone's going through, when you actually can put yourself in their shoes and understand and feel what they're going through, you're not only helping them from a leadership standpoint, you're also helping yourself because you're identifying in a key area that, that will help you feel connected to them.
0: I find it so intriguing that when we're experiencing an empathetic connection with somebody we're in conversation with, their pain quite literally becomes our own pain our pain receptors get activated alongside their pain receptors. And this makes sense because when we're in conversation with someone, our mirror neurons are lighting up. This ties into this concept called attunement, which is one of my passion areas. That not only is our mind and body connected to itself, so when you experience pain emotionally, you experience it physiologically, right? But your mind and body is actually connected to the mind and body of the person you're in conversation with. So when they're experiencing discomfort, you're also simultaneously experiencing discomfort alongside them. And that means that your emotional state, your physical state, all of that shifts to accommodate and be in empathy with the other person. Empathy activates these parts of the brain, and that allows us to understand and share in the emotions of other people. Absolutely.
1: When empathy activates these parts of our brain, it it actually could help to influence our behavior. And some of the studies have actually shown that empathy can be a key driver in altruistic behavior. When we empathize with someone in need, for example, we're more likely to help. And what this tells us is that empathy can drive this strong connection to altruism.
0: This reminds me a lot of like philanthropy, for example right? Like if you're somebody who's a philanthropist and you're giving back to people who are earlier in their journey monetarily through your knowledge, it's because you can relate to that point in their journey that you have also once been in. And being able to show up in an altruistic manner for those people makes a whole lot of sense because you care about them. You have a a personal connection to them. And that's of course a driver in terms of our behavior.
1: So much in the same way that when you relate to somebody who is similar to you, you actually have more empathy toward them. And so this can run the gender line. It could also run just looking at yourself and in other people. Studies have shown that, for example, when you think of people who might have a similar ethnic background to yours or socioeconomic status, you actually identify more of yourself in them. Therefore, you tend to be more empathetic toward them. It's interesting because women tend to report higher levels of empathy in general, but men tend to exhibit more empathy when it comes to problem solving. Well, we all know men, and I know this because I'm a married man, you try to solve everything. And because that's how we're hardwired, we want to solve problems. So guess what? We empathize with others who are trying to solve problems.
0: That makes so much sense that women also self-report higher levels of empathy because we've been socialized to be more empathetic. If you think about what play looks like for young uh, children that identify as female, it typically involves caretaking. It's holding little baby uh, dolls, right? It's being able to play the nurse. Those are the types of roles that we're placed in at a young age. And of course, some of that is very outdated. I think anybody of any gender can be empathetic and can hold space and be a helper, but we are socialized to be much more empathetic from a very early developmental age.
1: These immersive technologies can be used to create empathetic experiences. Now, the converse of this is social media, online communication, actually reduce the face-to-face activity that we have. I don't know about you, but I remember growing up as a kid after school, it was playing the yard. It was me hanging out with friends and going around the neighborhood or walking through the mall, and we were together. But now, in today's world, a lot of communication is happening virtually which can actually reduce some of the empathetic experiences that we might otherwise
0: have social media is great in a lot of ways right because before I couldn't keep in contact with my family in India they were so far away and doing a phone call with them was just it was too much and it was costly actually social media has been wonderful in terms of being able to connect with family across the pond if you will but it's not so great with being able to truly understand other people's points of views and I think a big part of that is because we are operate in silos on social media we have a very small community of people that tend to be like-minded. So we're exposed to less disparate viewpoints, people that think differently than we do. And we know that one of the best ways for us to develop empathy is to actually understand where other people are coming from. I would imagine that our ability to do that gets diminished through social media in some ways because of the echo chambers that we're existing in.
1: Yeah, you got to be mindful, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if you are constantly on social media and you notice these things happening and you become less empathetic, you become less understanding of other people, it's problematic. And we see it in politics, right? That's one thing for sure that happens. They've done studies on it. They've literally looked at different political stances are going to evoke and create a different emotional response to say people of ethnic groups or people of other parts of society. And so we have to bear this in mind and it starts with that self-awareness. If we don't have the self-awareness of how might the social media intake that I'm bringing into my life, how might it affect how I treat and think about other people, how I identify with other people and how I understand what they're going through. And so when we look at the larger picture in a minute we're going to get into how do we leverage all the things that are at our disposal to increase our empathy and to understand other people, we have to first do some, some checking and see where are we at current state. Are there things that are negatively influencing our ability to empathize with other people? And if they exist, we can't ignore that. We got to face it head on so that we can make some changes necessary to make the improvements.
0: And especially given the time that we're living in right now, where there's an active war happening, multiple active wars happening overseas, I feel like one of the dark sides of empathy is that, yes, it can be really important. It's so positive, but I'm seeing more and more people getting burned out on being empathetic and that there is an idea of compassion fatigue or empathy fatigue where we give so much energy and care for other people, which is so important, but then we are left depleted ourselves. And I think in times of duress, in times of war, in times of economic adversity, all of the tribulations that we're experiencing now, we have to be cognizant that we're not depleting ourselves until our battery is completely done, right? We need to be able to take pause. And sometimes that means stepping away from social media, stepping away from difficult conversations. I don't consider that burying our heads in the sand. I think it's important to stay abreast as to what's happening. But there is a limit. There's a point where we start to get into unproductive territory, and that's where we have to be really careful in drawing a line and setting good boundaries for our own emotional well-being.
1: That's such a great point, and especially when we think about how empathy can influence our ability to make decisions, especially moral decision-making. Empathy plays a pivotal role in that type of decision-making when we're making moral judgments. People rely on their emotional response, what they feel in their gut, right? That's the thing that they're really relying on. And that's why it influences our ability to be empathetic to situations. And it supersedes and actually becomes more important than what we would say is logical or rational deliberation. It's what we feel. And it's what we feel that's going to connect us to a pretty important decision that we make When our body emotionally reacts to something, it can actually influence some of the decisions we make that are most important in our lives. Some of those moral-based decisions, those are the ones that we rely on our emotions. I'm curious, from your perspective, as somebody who works so closely with people who maybe have a lot of this in their life where they're having to make some really critical decisions... How have you seen this show up?
0: I think you're spot on. The way that our bodies respond when we're experiencing adversity, intense emotions, just being activated overall is going to absolutely influence the way that we make decisions. And what I see happen is that a lot of people's ability to rationally think a situation through that skill becomes diminished when they're in a deeply empathetic state. Now, That's not to say that we shouldn't have empathy in our decision-making, that we shouldn't make decisions from an emotional place, because I think that emotions are a superpower, that they should be informing the way that we move through the world. But there is a balance that happens where if we're becoming emotionally reactive, are we really making the best decisions in that moment? What I typically tell my clients to do, whether they're leadership clients or therapy clients, is to ground yourself. You need to be present and you need to be able to calm the physiological reaction before you start diving into what decisions do I need to make and what actions do I need to take? That part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, which is important for decision-making and critical thinking, is offline when you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed. So take a moment to reduce the emotional intensity by breath work, by using grounding techniques, by being able to stay present, and you'll find that you'll be able to make a much more balanced decision as a result.
1: Perfect. So let's talk in a minute about how to cultivate empathy and how to use empathy more effectively. But before we do, I want to talk about this article that you found. You found this awesome article by Business Solvers. It's their sixth annual State of Workplace Empathy Study. Why did you pull that article out? Like, What stood out to you? So, but before we do, let's get into this article that you found from Forbes. It's the sixth annual State of Workplace Empathy Study. It has some really interesting findings. would love for you to Just tell us why you picked this one as one of the ones that we want to highlight.
0: What I found really intriguing about this article was that it speaks about the fear. And I don't think we talk about fear enough alongside empathy. What I have found in my work with leaders and corporations and being able to improve connection and empathy actually lines up with the research. In fact, 68% of CEOs admitted that they fear being less respected in the workplace if they were to show up from a place of empathy. And that mirrors some of the fears I hear from leaders that I work with. They don't want to be viewed as weak. They want to be viewed as in control, that they're the ones that are steering the ship. And the reality is that empathy is actually critical to creating connection and better outcomes in the workplace that the workplaces that have the highest levels of retention are the ones that show care and consideration for their employees and their teams. And I just thought it was so interesting to see that 68%, over half of the the CEOs, were fearful. That was actually an increase from 2020. So over the last two to three years, CEOs have become more and more concerned about the perception of demonstrating empathy, even though it's a critical component of emotional intelligence.
1: Yeah, I think from a leadership standpoint, I'm so glad you found that study. Like, I can't really think of anything more important than being empathetic. Like, I just can't. It is so, so critical. And so let's talk about how to cultivate empathy in our daily lives. And then this will definitely apply for all the leaders out there. How do you really make sure that you're prioritizing your own empathy levels? I'll I'll start with this one. You got to listen. You have to listen. And not just pretend like you're listening; like actively listen. So, paying close attention to what other people are saying, and without interrupting. And I'll tell you this: I have had so many leaders who struggled with that part. They always had to get their word in, that they couldn't wait for the other person to finish talking. Right? They had to do it quickly. So, without interrupting, listen, and also don't really be thinking about what you're going to say next, because that is another big thing. You're looking at somebody, you're nodding your head, it appears that you're listening, but in your mind, all you're doing is concocting your next statement. So remember this, take a moment to listen without any other distractions in your mind or around you and really engage in what that other person's saying by Embracing it and, and taking it all in because you could take a beat when that person's done speaking and formulate what you're going to say next. You don't need to have everything mapped out perfectly. You need to make sure that everything that they're saying is heard. And that's what's so important with active listening. You're actually hearing what that other person's saying.
0: Yes, and you're hearing what they're not saying too, if you're really in tune with what the other person is communicating to you through active listening, like you're talking about, then you also can read between the lines and you can gauge their micro expressions or, you know, the the things that aren't being said that are influencing the conversation in that moment. One other skill that I think would be important for people to strengthen is identifying what type of empathy you need to be engaging in. Now, I bet you're thinking there's different types of empathy. Yeah, there's actually three different types of empathy. There's cognitive empathy, which is the thinking, the rational, the logical, right? Being able to help somebody to problem solve, which can be part of the empathetic process. But then there's also affective empathy, meaning that you're in the heart, you're in the feelings, you're able to connect with the emotional state that the person that you're engaging with is in. And then the last is behavioral. So the action, that's how you show up and support somebody. The way that you are able to maybe take lighten their load a little bit. These are all different ways that you can show empathy and to really identify what might be needed in each moment, because each moment is going to differ.
1: It really will. And, and one of the things that I think people do, in addition to having different moments, create different perceptions and, and different ways that you embrace what the other person is saying is, we tend to judge. We're, co- we're in constant judgment mode. And so to really cultivate empathy, we have to like lower the volume of our judgment. Like we may not be able to totally eliminate it. So let's be real about this. But lower the volume of your judgment. And if you can completely eliminate it, great. Because our ability to suspend or lower the the volume of judgment on preconceived notions when interacting with people is going to enable us to have a much more empathetic approach. Everybody's got their own unique experiences and perspectives. We all do. So just remember that as you're talking, as you're actively listening, try to not be in judgment mode. It's, it's hard to do. And especially if you're in tune and you're aware that you're judging, that's, that's a good sign. Be aware. And once you're aware, that'll give you the ability to, again, lower the volume or ideally remove that judgment from being present.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And to also be curious about where that judgment is coming from, you know, when we're judging somebody harshly for what they're sharing with us, or we're having our own thoughts about the decisions that they're making, where is that coming from? Is it our desire to be right? Is it our desire to protect them from pain? Have we seen other people make these mistakes before? So it's like watching the train wreck about to happen and you're trying to stop it, right? But regardless of what the reason is, we still need to hold that back. Because when we operate from a place of judgment instead of curiosity, we create gulfs between us and the person that we're speaking with.
1: I'm so glad you talked about curiosity. Cause this is this is something that, you know, is kind of important in in general. It's something that I strive to be in everyday life. Is be okay with asking lots of questions, especially open-ended questions. And it's not like a yes-no question, right? In order to understand people, we have to ask questions. Like otherwise. There's a lot that goes unsaid, just left without being brought to the surface. And so, encourage people you communicate with to to share their thoughts and to share their thoughts freely. And the way in which you do this matters. Like, again, going back to this idea of asking questions that help people feel comfortable engaging in deep conversations. This is what fosters empathy. When we allow other people, to express themselves naturally, fully, and with all of their heart, that's when we connect with them on a really emotional level. But if we keep it superficial, if we keep it baseline and and not deep, it's really hard to build that emotional connection. And it's really hard to have the level of empathy that we could have with that other human being. And so This is part, I mean, I could literally just talk about this for 30 minutes, but like it is absolutely crucial to be able to have that kind of deep, rich conversation.
0: I love that you said that. And I think that curiosity, helps you to not make assumptions. One of my favorite phrases that I think I heard from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was that if you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. And I love that so much. I'm like, yes, we make so many assumptions without asking any questions, get no clarification. And it's because we're operating from a place of, oh, I already know what's going on instead of curiosity. So I just love that you brought that up.
1: First of all, I didn't know attribution should go to the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. So you've informed me. Like I've definitely heard that, but we'll definitely give it to the Fresh Prince. If we can quote the Fresh Prince of Bel Air on the show, like done. We're we're in. Uh, such a great, (laughs) such a great (laughs) call-out. You know, everybody talks about this one. So I kind of feel like it goes without saying, but mindfulness. Like straight up mindfulness and awareness is, is so crucial. And so I just want to like triple click on this because it is everything. And, and a lot of us have different mindfulness practices. Meditation's certainly one of the more common ones. There's all sorts of ways that you could adopt mindfulness into the empathy equation. And so when you do that, and by the way, tons of study on this, it's basically training yourself for increased empathy. When you're more attuned to your own emotions And to those around you, you're going to give yourself a platform to be highly empathetic. And so embracing that's going to be crucial.
0: Absolutely. Yes. And and part of the judgment piece circling back to that is a mindfulness exercise that people can do is to just simply observe their thoughts and feelings of judgment and to not judge those feelings of judgment, which is hard to do. A lot of times if I get into a place of judging somebody, I tend to beat myself up about it and feel like, ah, why am I not being more empathetic? Like I should really be more compassionate. I should have better skills than this. But now I've learned to just st- take a step back. Instead, just observe, hmm, I'm feeling judgmental about this person. What What is coming up for me that I'm noticing? And then I'll just observe like leaves falling down from a tree, no judgment, no stake in it, just noticing that, okay, yeah, that's just something that's coming up for me and I just need to pay attention to it without overly ascribing some sort of meaning to it.
1: Yeah, and a great example to highlight in this sense is if you are aware that you've Allowed just some either form of judgment or some bias creep up. It could be that you're more empathetic for people who look like you, who are your age, who have your profession, your ethnic group. If you determine that, how do you then address that? And one way you address that is to you could read or watch more diverse content. You could engage in books or movies or podcasts that, that help to offer other perspectives. Like I do something that most people who have my political belief wouldn't do, and I watch the opposite, quote unquote, opinion from another news source. That's just an example of what I've done, just to have a greater amount of empathy for well, what what are people who have a different opinion than mine. What are they engaging in? What are they looking at and watching? And guess what? The result is okay. I may not agree with them, but at least I understand why they have the beliefs set that they have. And so this, this can help tremendously.
0: Totally. And I love the fact that you talk about avenues that don't require emotional labor from people of those different groups, right? Because for example, we may want to learn about a different culture But the onus shouldn't be on people of the other culture to inform us and educate us. It's important for us to do our own research, to not push emotional labor on other people. And all of the options that you just talked about allow for that. Now, of course, if somebody is willing to share and there is an openness there, that's a wonderful opportunity. There's nothing better than having a conversation in real time where you can talk about different beliefs and ask questions and gain a better understanding of where the other party is coming from. But don't assume, once again, assume that the other party is willing to do that emotional labor for you.
1: Here's the thing. We live in a day and age where everything's available to you, like information-wise. And yes, you got to vet it. And there's lots of misinformation. There's lots of quote unquote fake news. But don't just expect that other people are going to spoon feed you a diversity lesson. (laughs) Like it's just, that's kind of not fair. Like you got to put a little bit of work in. So I'm totally with you on that. I want to talk a little bit about how to really use empathy effectively. And, And here's a few tactical things. I know you're big on this. And by the way let me pay you a compliment that you do so beautifully well which is a you listen like like literally best in class listener like you really listen and then what you you do so beautifully and i know this is something that you're definitely doing this with your clients and and people who you support and help is you state what's said back in a way to really show that you're listening a but b also To identify and feel connected to what that other human being shared in a really thoughtful, caring, nurturing way. Like you almost like, you know, stand by whoever that is. And it's, I'm speaking from my own personal experience. It's like you stand by me and say, hey buddy, I, I understand. I feel what you're going through. And you, you acknowledge it's that form of acknowledgement that really matters. And so words play a part into that. So like here's a few things: I understand how you feel. Or that must be really difficult. I'm sure you have like a bunch of others that, that you would say, but those are just a few quick things that it's just a phrase that you could apply. I'm sure there's a ton more that we can dive into, but thank you for being that type of caring, nurturing, and empathetic friend because it matters. Like, and I really mean that. Like, no joke. I can't think of if you said, hey, make a list of people, you would be at the top of that list. So, thank you so much.
0: Oh, thank you, Billy. That that means a lot to me. I mean, I think that sometimes people confuse active listening as parroting. Like, I'm just going to parrot back to you what the other person is saying, but that's not active listening. Active listening is synthesizing what the other person is saying. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you say that I do well, is that I'm able to take what you're talking about, whatever the struggle is, and Frame it in a way that shows support and understanding, and that I was really hearing what you were, what the core was of what you were trying to communicate. I really appreciate that. And I think that, you know, some of the phrases that you shared are important. You can also ask some additional questions, right? That shows empathy too. Tell me more about, I'm curious, I would love to understand, right? Those types of questions show a desire to deepen what the conversation is at hand. And, and that shows a level of empathy that is powerful for the person on the receiving end.
1: Right. And, and effectively what you do, I fully agree, by the way, like you can't just parrot exactly what's being said and you do exactly what you've described, which is you synthesize in a way. And, and ultimately what that does is it validates the emotions. It validates when someone else is sharing something with you, especially their feelings, you acknowledge them. And you understand them. What this does is this creates a a trust. It creates an emotional connection where people feel supported. And with that, I think the other piece to it is you can actually offer to support somebody. You can help them through this difficult or tough time by asking them, how can I help? How can I be of support to you? When you do that, you're able to really give people something that they need at the time that they need it. So I, I want to uh, bring it home and, and would love to get your final thoughts on this because empathy you know, is such a vital part of how we react and interact with each other as human beings. And so what are your final thoughts about this important topic?
0: Empathy isn't a soft skill. It's an essential skill. It's a skill that we all need to develop on a day-to-day basis. It's the core of our relationships as leaders, as partners, as friends, as family members. And if we can learn to practice and hone in this skill set, it will take you so far in your everyday life. I hope that each and every one of you gained something out of this conversation, that you're able to view empathy from a little bit more of an an expansive standpoint, and that you have some tangible and tactical ways that you can start to practice empathy in your day-to-day interactions. Really appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and thanks for joining us for ReLearned. If you enjoyed the insights and perspectives you've gained from ReLearned, please consider following the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're grateful for your support and we look forward to being a part of your transformational journey.